When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Necessary. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Friday. How's everyone going? It's January 20th, 2023. I love the word necessary because every time you fire someone, you have to say, this was necessary for our team to get to where we want it to be. It is necessary because we underperformed last season. Everybody underperforms in a season except for the eventual winner. We didn't get to where we wanted to go, so it was necessary to fire So the first thing you do, as you remember, is you fire your head coach. But if you're not gonna fire your head coach, then you move on down and get rid of the coordinators. Yesterday, it was necessary for so many teams to fire their offensive and defensive coordinators. It makes me smile. Are you really fooled as a fan? All of a sudden, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the real problem with them this season, without a question, was Byron Leftwich. I mean, that makes sense to me, doesn't it? Otherwise, they would have won. They would have certainly beaten the Cowboys if they had a better offensive coordinator. This is the guy who two years ago or three years ago was sneaking in during COVID to Derek Jeter's house to meet with Tom Brady to get their offense going, to get a head start on his switch from the Patriots to the Buccaneers. This is the offensive coordinator who decided to stay with Tom Brady, who was in the running to be a head coach as recently as last offseason. Now what? Now he's on the bread line. And then you've got all these coaches who make these announcements. They do it through statements and they want fans to understand that they really struggled coming to this conclusion. You have no idea the sleepless nights as we decided what to do. It really is such a bunch of buffalo chips and here's why. The way offensive and defensive coordinators get relieved of their duties is when the owner and GM, they say, hey, we're happy to give you another try as head coach and we're happy to retain you, but we're starting over. We're getting different people in there in the coaching ranks. Can you imagine these teams are not just firing the OC or the DC, they're firing people all the way down the chain. They're firing wide receiver coaches and offensive line coaches and special teams, coordinators. Everybody's being let go. Because fans, we need to be able to tell you that we're not satisfied. We're not standing pat with the results of this season. Wouldn't it be great if one time a GM got up at the end of a season and said, We absolutely expected to go no further than we did. We couldn't be more pleased with our performance and we are standing pat. That's never gonna be a word of the day, standing pat. I don't think we've ever done that, Coca, because fans don't like it, the media doesn't like it. Owners generally don't like it because they feel that perpetual motion is the same as improvement. But often that's not the case. As a matter of fact, 
when it comes to success in myriad industries and businesses, it is not always change that leads to the success. Sometimes it is actually sticking to a plan. Right now, you've got the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Panthers, the Texans, five head coaching openings. People are maneuvering who's interviewing where. The Indianapolis Colts announce every time they interview someone, they got the owner tweeting, we just completed our interview with Jeff Saturday. I'm sure that was a very complicated interview. I wonder how that went. Hey, uh, Jeff, how'd you do? Well, you know, I won a game after you brought me out of the analyst role. Yeah, but do you think that you can win more than a game next year? Yeah, we'll see. All right, good talking to you. All right, we got to get back to the Rooney Rule interviews. Eight teams are looking for offensive coordinators. Three teams are looking for defensive coordinators, including the Miami Dolphins, who fired their defensive coordinator yesterday and released this huge statement. It was a typical statement, right, by... Coming, it always comes from the coach, but it shouldn't. You think Mike McDaniel is grateful for Josh's contributions this year and throughout his tenure with the Dolphins? You think Mike McDaniel gives a flying rat's ass about that? And then he tells you the defense made strides through the season. So coming to this decision was not easy, but it was necessary. If we're going to take the next step and win a playoff game for the first time in decades, we're going to need a new defensive coordinator. John Harbaugh of the Ravens coming off a playoff loss without Lamar Jackson that everyone figured would happen and did happen. They fired their offensive coordinator. Family guy, family friend, Greg Roman worked with Jim in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> their offensive coordinator. That statement was a good one. Can I just read it to you for one quick second? Because I think you may smile. This is John Harbaugh talking about Greg Roman and see if you've ever had anyone say something this nice about you where you weren't six feet under. Greg has led to the development and success of a record-setting offense in Baltimore for several seasons. Well, why are you getting rid of him? He's a tremendous football coach as well as family man in person. That's very important. Got to have good people, good family people. Greg devised and led our offense to no fewer than 26 historical NFL and franchise achievements. He established an identity for our offense. And here it comes. I have a tear in my eye, so I'm gonna say this very softly. We are grateful for Greg's great work and abilities, and we wish him and his wonderful family the utmost happiness going forward. You think Greg Roman resigned, had enough, wanted to spend more time with his wonderful family? People who resigned saying they want to spend time with their family are doing that because they'd gotten fired 30 seconds earlier. That's more than just a general rule. That's a 99.9-er. Once in a while, like 0.01% of the time, man, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I'm Sean McVeigh. I'm ready to go. All right, I'll stay one more year. Think it's necessary? Does it make you feel good as a Ravens fan? What a great family man Greg was. They're going to be in the market. They're going to hire a new OC. But does that actually matter to you? Or are you far more focused on the necessary activities of a team in the offseason, which clearly should be player personnel related? Like the Ravens need to think about what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. Are they going to sign him? Are they going to tag him? Now's when you start as a team you do a very, very coordinated leaking strategy, a coordinated PR strategy. You assign different things to be said by different people. I always love those meetings. You'd sit in a meeting, 
and you'd have your top people around you. All right, we got to get the following five things out. Here's how we're going to split it up. You've got the relationship with this person in the media. You've got the relationship with this person. We're going to do a release that is going to be sort of a bait and switch, and then we'll have plausible deniability that we're not leaking because we're going to release officially something that we're doing. But then meanwhile, on the side, we're doing this. We would actually do that. How much time do we spend dealing with the PR side? And then we come up with statements, all these teams, as though they have no PR help at all. Very bizarre. So Lamar Jackson was mentioned several times yesterday by the Ravens, the first of which should make you very concerned if you are a Ravens fan. And I'm not going to say it anymore, except every time it happens. Lamar Jackson will be involved with the offensive coordinator hire, said John Harbaugh. This is going to be a highly sought after job. Well, there's only 32 offensive coordinators and in theory, you're one of 64 people who are considered to move on to become one of 32 head coaches. Of course it's sought after. But why is it that Lamar Jackson's gonna have a say in the offensive coordinator? When you're running a team, you should know that if you are hiring a coach, a manager or a coordinator who is there to bring out the best in the personnel that you have, then you've gotta be trusted to bring in the person who's gonna bring out the best in the personnel that you have. You don't need the personnel that you have to tell you what type of coordinator. It's like all this talk of Aaron Rodgers, when Nathaniel Hackett's going someplace, is that gonna be helpful? Will that inform us where Aaron's gonna go? It's insanity to me. Teams don't run that way. When you involve your player, and I'm not talking about when LeBron's the GM of the Lakers. I'm not talking about all these players who are spoken to about hires because I would do that too, but it wouldn't inform what decision I was gonna make. And the reason it wouldn't inform what decision I was gonna make is that players are players. Their job is to play. And that's not to say shut up and dribble. I am not in any way advocating that. But Lamar Jackson is not in a position to tell me who the best offensive coordinator is to help our Ravens team. And by the way, if you're an offensive coordinator, are you going to a player? If you are a candidate, here's a little nugget for you. If you're out there in the coaching ranks and you're trying to get hired, don't have players do your bidding. Presidents and owners don't care about that. It's not impactful if we get word, hey, you know, Jackson really wants this guy. I think, I think we gotta lean in that direction. We wanna make Lamar happy. Lamar is absolutely at the whim of the Ravens front office. They can tag him, they can sign him. Lamar Jackson has absolutely no power quite yet, unless he gets the non-exclusive tag, in which case he can shop it with a right to match. And what if you're an offensive coordinator who doesn't actually deserve the job, but you're Lamar Jackson's guy, and for whatever reason, Harbaugh says, yeah, we'll do that, no problem. And then all of a sudden the front office decides to trade or just let Lamar walk, or Lamar holds out for the year. Then what, the offensive coordinator who has no relationship with anyone, isn't qualified to be the offensive coordinator? Because here's the thing about people who are suggested often by players, sometimes by lower levels in the front office, they're not necessarily qualified, but what they are is loyal. So when you are 
weighing who you want in your front office or who you want on your coaching staff. Loyalty is definitely a factor, but it's not dispositive. Loyalty can be earned. Loyalty can be grown. It doesn't necessarily have to be what comes with the package upon introduction. So I don't think the Ravens are going to have Lamar Jackson involved in their offensive coordinator search. I don't understand really what they're doing. I don't know why we're spending so much time other than Coca's favorite team is the Ravens. But they have, they've got uh, their GM. What's his actual title, DaCosta Coca? Is it actually just GM? Or they don't do fancy titles in football the way they do in baseball. Are there chief football officers or president of football operations? They do that in baseball just so they can pretend. But I think everybody's called. Oh, they do sometimes their executive vice presidents. That's true. They do have that. I like that. You're an executive vice president, which is just above a senior vice president, which is just above a vice president, which is just ways to say, hey, you've got a vice president, so you've got the benefits of being a vice president, but you're not quite at the COO level or the CEO level or the CFO level. You don't get a chief in there. You get an executive chief executive officer. If you get chief first, that's better than being the executive vice president, chief executive. You're the chief. I think chief is the one that you want. Why hasn't that been canceled? Come to think of it. Chief executive officer, chief financial officer. Maybe that's why it's head baseball officer. No, I think it's actually chief baseball officer. So DaCosta talks about Lamar Jackson. He's going to be our number one quarterback. He's going to start for us in week one, telling you that the wide receivers were the problem in Baltimore. Our wide receivers took on water, he said. It is great. Just go ahead and Google if you want to know about your favorite team and try to learn all the excuses that we all give you once we have an unsuccessful season. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Let's stay with football. We haven't even gotten to the games this weekend because there's so much going on off the field in the NFL. The Chicago Bears, do you live in Chicago? Have you spent time there? You've been to downtown Chicago. You could take the L. You could watch Running Scared with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. You could celebrate the Bulls' victories. Or you could say to yourself, I'm not schlepping to Arlington Heights to watch the Bears. I'm done. No, that's not how it works. That's not how the front office thinks about where their stadium is going to be. Locations of stadiums are based on the money that is offered by the public municipality of that location. That's it. You think that Daniel Snyder or the new owner of the commanders is going to say, oh, Virginia's offering the money, but I want Maryland. So we're going to be in Maryland. Absolutely not. You think the Marlins, when they built in Miami, did it because they wanted to throw down and ignore the Broward market? No, the money was in Miami. Arlington Heights has made a pitch to get the Bears. The owners of the Bears have bought land. They are ready to move to Arlington Heights. The Chicago Bears just hired Kevin Warren. I don't know if you know that name. Kevin Warren was the commissioner of the Big Ten. He's now the president of the Chicago Bears. One of the things that you do when you hire a new president is you make sure that they become the face of a new ballpark deal, of a new stadium situation, because it's very hard to come off looking good when you're in charge of getting a new ballpark. I know these things. It can take five years to rebuild and repopulate your Google after being the president of a team. I know these things. 
So Kevin Warren comes in and he's told during the interview process, hey, you're going to be in charge of this new ballpark situation, this new stadium situation. But keep in mind, we're going to Arlington Heights, but we cannot MF Chicago and the city of Chicago, the politicians of Chicago, the people of the city of Chicago, because we're going to need them to go a little bit northwest. And the way we're going to do it is that we're going to have you come out and say that Arlington Heights is the sole focus of our new stadium. Then we are going to meet with the city of Chicago and ask about the little video they made with the renderings and all the billions of dollars they're willing to put into renovations of Soldier Field. And we're going to have our chief financial officer do a bunch of documents and a bunch of spreadsheets with some consultants who we're hiring from the law firm of Coca and Samson. And we are going to find out which is the best financial deal for our team. Because while we say it's Arlington, we are more than open to staying in the city of Chicago. But we're going to say it's too little too late. And that's exactly what's going on. I want to explain why. Because when you are moving to a new stadium. You're doing that because you want to increase your revenue. And what you do is projections. You do projections in your current stadium. You match them with projections in your new stadium. You talk about what your increased expenses will be if you're borrowing money, what the cost of that money will be, what your debt service will be. You talk about whether it'll be more expensive to run the stadium that you own, what the taxes will be if it's privately owned instead of leasing public property where you don't have to pay property taxes. You go through what you think your attendance will be, what you think your average ticket price will be, what you know by working with the concessionaire, what the prices can be of your food. You talk about the price of parking in the parking lots at Arlington, how many people will have to drive there instead of taking public transportation. Then you add it all up, you calculate where your payroll can be, and you look at what your profit is, what your operating income is, what your net income is, what your EBITDA is, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and the always exciting amortization. And you go into your negotiations knowing where your financials are. You don't share your financials with the public. You don't tell the mayor of Chicago or the mayor of Arlington Heights. Is there a mayor of Arlington Heights or the city council or the county commission? You don't talk about your financials, but you have them and you understand what deal you want. So when Kevin Warren is brought in to say that he's focused on Arlington Heights, that they're doing everything, it should remind you like of the Oakland A's where they say, we bought land in Vegas and we are focused on the strip in Vegas. Articles being written everywhere about the A's moving to Vegas. And I told you on a wait to see, they're not going anywhere. There are some issues that happened in Oakland where some federal money and state money was not earmarked toward the project. So now everyone's excited about the possibility of moving to Vegas. Rob Manford said, there's no relocation fee, just take Vegas. Remember what I told you about that? Please don't forget. That's never gonna happen. There's no way that 29 owners will ever agree to somebody not paying a relocation fee. You can spin it however you want. The team's not gonna take revenue sharing. You're saving money that way. That's not how owners think. Even when they're strong-armed by a commissioner, they need the relocation fee. They need the expansion fees. They want them to pay down their debt that came through COVID. They want them to help sign more $30 million players. But the A's aren't stupid. John Fisher didn't become a billionaire by being silly. He understands leverage, just like the Bears do. You have to say that you're doing something in order to have a chance to do something else. 
How often do you do that in your life? God, I do that every day. Leverage what I may not wanna do by saying I wanna do it in order so I can absolutely do what I wanna do. That's how you get what you want. You don't get what you want by saying what you want. You get what you want by saying what you don't want and then working your ass off to get exactly what you want for the maximum amount of compensation. Don't go into a meeting with your employer when he gives you your year-end raise or year-end bonus and say, that's exactly what I wanted. Opposite, say, that's exactly what I didn't want. You underpaid me by half or full. That's what they're doing to other communities and other cities. Thank you so much, Chicago, for the billions of dollars in infrastructure, but man, we need way more than that. We appreciate you, Vegas, but we're gonna need public money. Don't please go public with the fact that no public money is going into the ballpark. I'm gonna say we're doing it privately, but that's wink, wink. We're not really building a stadium privately. No owner builds a stadium with all private funds. They say they do because it's good PR, but they don't. All of the teams that say they're using no public money are all using public money. They may disguise it and they may use it for public infrastructure. They may use it for tax breaks, certain tax incentives. They may use it for certain breaks in the costs of utilities or certain deals like the Miami Dolphins get for hosting events where they get public money and all of a sudden Steve Ross gets to say, no, we don't use public money. Of course they get public money. Every single sports team gets public money. Wait to see when we tell you something's gonna happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Get ready. Arlington Heights, you're getting the Bears. The Bears are gonna move to Arlington Heights. All right, we come back. C'est possible que je peux parler français parce que il y aura un match du basketball hier. Vous souvenez? Did you possibly pay attention to the fact that the NBA was in Paris yesterday? Did you know the NBA was in Paris yesterday? Do you know what the NBA didn't do yesterday? Ride the Metro. We'll explain when we come back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It is Friday. All right. Here's what I did over the last week. It took me a week to do. I still watch a movie every day or some sort of series. I'm re-binging West Wing right now. I'm about, I am uh, at the last episode of season six. If you haven't seen West Wing, just watch it. It just so happens that the show that I watched this morning from 4.20 to 5.02 was episode 21 of season six. I'll get there, Coke, I will land this plane. And it was about the debt ceiling and what it takes, the deal that's required, or maybe it was episode 20 or 19, doesn't matter. One of the episodes of West Wing at the end of season six, Alan Alda, who plays my favorite actor from MASH, played Hawkeye, my favorite actor, period, my favorite man, I mean, my favorite man who is on screen. There was a conversation in West Wing, and this is not a show from this year, obviously, about the federal debt ceiling. And if you don't know what the federal debt ceiling is, there is a limit to the amount of money that the US can borrow. And it's like the limit to what you can borrow. Your limit for most people is what your credit card limit is. You can't get more than that. And you shouldn't go to your credit card limit unless you can pay it off every month. Do not pay interest to credit card companies. You are getting crushed. Usurious. I can't believe we even allow credit card companies to charge the type of interest they do. But all of that said, if you can help not having credit card debt, please do that. So... The US has a credit card in theory, and they borrow money. That's called the federal deficit. And eventually you have to pay it back or you keep kicking the can by refinancing. But it comes due at some point, and if you don't increase the debt ceiling or allow yourself to borrow more, and that has to be done in Congress, then you're totally screwed. And there was an episode of West Wing that discussed, and it just happened in the last two days where there had to be a deal on increasing the debt ceiling. The issues that Aaron Sorkin came up with 15 years ago, 20 years ago, they're prescient. All of them, if you watch the show, are going on right now. It is incredibly bizarre. It's like a time warp. So I watched a miniseries called Kaleidoscope, and I finished the last episode either yesterday or the day before. And I didn't know until I had started that everyone gets this series in a different order, which is fascinating to me. So I knew the word kaleidoscope, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. I remember as a kid having a thing where you look into a telescope, except it's not a telescope because it's just different shapes that when you twist it and turn it, they turn different colors and become different shapes. I was never that interested in it. So I never actually studied telescopes or kaleidoscopes or gyroscopes or stethoscopes or throat, what are the endoscopy scopes, colonoscopy scopes, just didn't really care about those things. Kaleidoscope is a series that Netflix released that doesn't look the same to everyone watching around the country or the world. I started with episode yellow, it's all different colors. Some people started with different color episodes and it all ends with episode white and it's all about a heist. And the episodes that star Giancarlo Esposito, the guy from uh, um, Breaking Bad, the bad drug dealer in Breaking Bad. It also stars the woman, 
Paz Vega, Coke, I'm going to get that wrong, I think, she was in Spanglish. And that was, what, 20 years ago? And I hadn't seen her in anything else. And I'm looking at her during this, and I'm thinking, God, you look familiar. And I sort of squinted my eyes, and I said, oh, Spanglish? And then I looked, and I was right about that. So Kaleidoscope is a story about a heist which takes you to six months before the heist, three weeks before the heist, six months after the heist, the day of the heist, and it shows you what is happening. It also stars the guy from The Illusionist, the bad guy married to Jessica Biel in The Illusionist, not Ed Norton, whose name escapes me. And there are people who are not loving this series. I'm not one of them. His name is Rufus Sua. Thank you, Coca. I absolutely loved every episode. I was fascinated with it. Some people were complaining that you know what happens during the heist before the last episode, because the second to last episode in theory is what happened after the heist. So you have an idea that what could have gone wrong during the heist. So then you watch the heist, which is the final episode, except you didn't know anything. And you watch it and you say to my God, that was genius. Kaleidoscope, it is well worth watching. Maintenant, je peux parler français. The purpose of playing games internationally, and the NFL is a great example of this. The NFL announced yesterday the five teams who were playing in both London and Germany. I think you've got the, the Chiefs going to Germany. You've got the Bills and the Jaguars, of course, going to London. Remember when the Jaguars would, were basically splitting their schedule because they were winning two, three, or four games every year? All of a sudden, the Jaguars are a real team, and having them go to London is a real thing, but having them play one fewer home game in Jacksonville, that all of a sudden becomes a problem if you're from Jacksonville, doesn't it? When all of a sudden you're drawing people because you're good? So the NFL makes this announcement, a couple games in Tottenham, game at Wembley, game in Germany. And Roger Goodell gets to come out and tell you how important the international landscape is, how badly they want to expand into Europe. And I explained to you many, many weeks ago that the only way the NFL goes into Europe is with multiple teams. And even that is very, very unlikely in my mind. But all teams and all leagues, not all, ready? Four, eight, 69. Can I do that live, Coca? All leagues say Europe is the most important frontier. Baseball says Asia matters, Mexico matters, the NFL likes Mexico, NBA likes Mexico. What's the commonality here? It's markets where there are a lot of people where they can get increased TV revenue and the dream of having their own team, which legitimizes them in the world of professional sports. It's the carrot and the bunny rabbit going around the dog track that never gets caught by the greyhounds. The Greyhounds are these international promoters in international cities and countries. And the carrot and the rabbit that's going around the track being chased is expansion or relocation. So the NFL announces and it's a big deal and people are focused on it. NBA, let's go to MLB first. MLB played in London. Remember last year they had the Yankees and Red Sox in London. We used to love, I went to Mexico City, San Juan, or maybe it was Monterey, somewhere in Mexico to play a game against the Houston Astros, played as part of the Expos or part of the Marlins. We went to San Juan and played in Puerto Rico in Hiram Beethorn Stadium. Congratulations, by the way, Manny Colon, who's the GM out there, doing great. Former traveling secretary, now works with the A's. The Cardinals and Cubs are going to London this coming June. Major League Baseball announces all of these international series. 
I told you I went to London for the Giants Packers and I was shocked at how few people in London had any idea what was going on, except they said, man, there are a lot of Americans here this weekend. Well, we're here for the football game. Oh, that's why everyone's wearing Packers stuff or Giants stuff. They could care less. So then you have to market it differently. Oh, side note, Coca. Uh, Vegas. Vegas is trying to get the Oakland A's. We talked about that a few minutes ago. One of the things that they're saying in Vegas is how they know baseball will be successful there is because everyone loves going to Vegas and everyone loves seeing their own team play. And so they're saying that, hey, Cardinals fans, when the Cardinals come play the Las Vegas A's, they'll come because they want to go to Vegas. And, you know, tens of millions of tourists come to Vegas. Now they're going to want to go to a baseball game. And then there's a conversation, well, should we put the baseball stadium on the strip or should we put the baseball stadium where actually people live in Vegas? So is the team coming for the tourists or is it coming for the locals? Well, it's gotta come for both in order to make it work. But none of that will actually inform whether or not a team goes to Vegas, believe it or not. It's whether or not the building will get built. But in any case, so you're, you're, you're pushing for these international games, you're announcing these international games, you're trying to raise money and generate revenue internationally. And so the NBA is doing the same thing. And last night, well, really yesterday, it was uh, about three o'clock in the US. So it was an eight o'clock game or three plus six is a nine o'clock game in Paris. They played the... Uh, Bulls and Pistons in Paris. Were you aware of it? Do you even know the Bulls beat the Pistons? The reason I was not aware of it is that I didn't see one anything on social media about it. Didn't see a tweet, didn't see an article until I read the recap and I saw, wow, why were the Bulls? The reason I even took note is I saw a final score in the NBA. Why are they playing an afternoon game on a Thursday? So then I look a little closer and I having just spoken to someone who's in Paris who didn't want to go to Paris because of these strikes that are going on. There's protests going on. You know what they're doing there because of their problem with social security? They don't call it social security, but guess what they're doing in Paris right now? They're protesting because they're raising the retirement age. France is one of the most pro-union and active union places you'll ever come across. And they're raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. And the reason they're changing from 60 to 64 is otherwise there's a chance of going bankrupt. So there's a strike. And when there's a strike in Paris, you don't want to be in Paris. So the Bulls and Pistons were in Paris and they talked about the sightseeing they were doing. And the biggest story to come out of the game was not about the game, was not about growing the game in Paris, regardless of the clinics that were done. It was actually about Victor Wembenyama. Victor Wembenyama is the Bryce Harper of basketball potentially the next LeBron James, we're already saying the next LeBron James, the heir apparent to the best player in the world, a 19-year-old seven-footer with the wingspan of Chuck Nevitt, who's going to be the number one pick, and the Pistons are a team, one of the worst in basketball, who will have the most ping-pong balls with the chance to get good old Victor Victor. Not Victor Victor Mesa, just one Victor when Benyama. People are asking... Right now we're live. So if you're on YouTube, I guess, Coco, you can get into a chat. People are asking questions. This is something that should be brought up during the show. I'm not gonna do so you wanna talk to Samson's from the chat unless they actually appeal to me. And this one does. It's hard to be distracted by reading comments and also doing a show without a prompter, but here we go. Someone was asking about who gets paid by the countries 
and is it just ticket revenue or do you get advertising dollars? What are the economics of playing internationally? There's a promoter and what the promoter does is they give a set amount to the league in order to host games. Part of that money goes to pay the teams for going because the players all get paid extra as part of the collective bargain agreement to go play these international games and you negotiate it in the CBA. So not only do you get a higher per diem, but you also get a higher rate of pay for those games, but it's equal between the 15th guy in your NBA roster and the first guy in your NBA roster. It's a set amount that goes to each player. Then on top of that, you have money that comes in for the TV rights. On top of that, you have merchandise and you cut separate deals internationally. So all of these leagues have separate international departments like MLB International, NBA International, and there's someone who heads it. There's a, a great man named uh, Jim Small who took over for Paul Archie in MLB who has grown the game internationally. MLB simply phenomenally. MLB is so lucky and to have someone like Jim Small, but they're people who that's their job is they're traveling around the world and they're raising money. So the teams themselves are made whole by the road trip. So here's the calculation that we do. If you have to fly to Paris versus flying to Chicago from Detroit, there is a difference in cost of your charter. And sometimes you get a different charter because you want all sleeper seats to make sure the teams can sleep and be comfortable in all first class seats. The difference in cost, the difference in cost of the hotel, because hotels in Paris are gonna be a lot more expensive than hotels in Detroit. That's just how that goes. You are made whole by the league. So you are not the worse off for your annual budget for teams who participate. Where you don't get compensated is in the wear and tear on the body of the players. And this is where I had a big disagreement with our players and with our player representatives. I don't view, and this is because I've done it, or maybe I've taught my body how to do it, but I don't view international travel as very difficult on the body if you take care of your body. If you don't get on the plane to an overnight flight and stay up all night watching movies or stay up all night eating on your flight, go to bed. Put yourself in the time zone of where you're going, not where you've been. Make sure when you get to those cities that you get the proper amount of rest and that you do practices and various other team or league mandatory activities at times where the body's rhythm is adjusted to the new time. Make sure on the way home, because traveling west is always more difficult than traveling east in terms of jet lag. Make sure there's enough off days. Make sure you're paying attention as to when your team's practicing. There are certain things you can do that can curb the jet lag or at least lessen it. But in terms of teams not wanting to do it, most teams do not because they view it's a competitive disadvantage to go internationally, which is why teams are forced to do it in agreements with leagues. Did you know that? that there are owners who sign up, that in the collective bargain agreement or in their documents when they're buying a team that they agree to certain things from MLB, which is to make certain international appearances. Little known fact there, Normie. Nothing personal pick of the day. Raptors three and a half over the Wolves. It's a loser. Thank God we're back to the NFL. We're back to seven and 12, five games under. We do have a game tonight and I'm gonna go down with Luca. I'm doing it. Mavs are plus one over the Heat versus the Heat in Dallas. They got to start winning with Luka. And anytime I'm getting points at home and I'm Luka, I'm taking it. Mavericks plus one over the Heat. Let's talk NFL. Are you going to choose to watch all four games or are you looking at the Sunday slate and saying those games are way more exciting? I want to watch Bengals Bills and I want to watch Niners Cowboys. 
I think when the NFL made this schedule, they were far more excited about the Sunday games. The Saturday games are Jags, Chiefs, and Eagles, Giants. Eagles, Giants is very appealing to NFC East fans. It's appealing to certain people in the Northeast, not necessarily nationwide appeal. Neither the Eagles nor the Giants are America's teams. Let's give you some picks, though. Trevor Lawrence against Patrick Mahomes. Have you ever bet on a team that covers less often than the Kansas City Chiefs? That is completely anecdotal. I don't have any sort of spreadsheet or program. It just sort of comes to me that the Chiefs don't cover. And I watched the uh, Jaguars last week and what they did in the second half. I just think that taking the nine points makes sense. So that's what we're going to do. I like the coach of the Chargers. Side note, Coco, for one second. Uh, the coach of the Chargers came out and said, hey, I wasn't out coached by Doug Peterson, the coach of the Jaguars. I did way better than he did in the first half. He did better than I did in the second half. <laughs> That's true. You had a 27-0 lead and then lost the game. Why not just say, hey, we sucked. Anyway, I'm taking the Jaguars plus nine versus the Chiefs. All right, Eagles-Giants. If you watched the Giants last week against the Minnesota Vikings, you may be suckered into thinking that Daniel Jones is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's mobile. He's strong. He's big. He's got a neck as big as like Otis Sistrunk. But no, the Philadelphia Eagles actually have a defense. They actually are a team. Eagles giving that seven and a half. Don't be scared off by the half. Eagles should win this comfortably by more than a touchdown. Eagles over the Giants. So that's my Saturday. Jags taking the points. Eagles giving the points. Sunday's great games. Make sure 3 o'clock you're in front of a TV. When you can watch uh, Josh Allen against Joe Burrow, you want to watch that game. You want to watch when you can watch when you can see Diggs. For whatever reason, 5.5 points just seems too many. This is a tough game to call, but I'm taking the Bengals plus 5.5. In the night game, Niners-Cowboys. Everyone's excited. Jerry Jones, could he go as a GM to his first NFC championship in 28 years. 28 years. Do you know with 16 teams in the NFC, two teams playing the NFC championship, do you agree that you have an opportunity to be in the NFC championship once every eight years, that that's the math? Let's just say twice every 16 years, four times every 32 years. How about zero and 28? Jerry. You need this game. You want this game, and you have no chance to win this game. The San Francisco 49ers, rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant or not, have too many weapons offensively. They're too good defensively, and as good as Dak Prescott looked, he will not look that good. That Niners minus four line should be a little higher. We're taking Niners minus four of the Cowboys. Those are the picks of the day. All right, while you're watching this, could you go ahead and look at your phone and see if you can find, if possible, the CW app? I think you just have to search under App Store and then you can sign up for CW. I think it's free, maybe. I think it's part of, is it part of our current CBS family? Is there any bit of Paramount involved in CW? It was announced yesterday that Liv got a TV deal. Thank God. And I don't mean the nightclub, I mean the golf tour. I mean the Saudi Arabian backed golf tour. They've been shopping for a TV deal since their inception and they had this huge announcement. Hip, hip, hooray, we are legit. We are the PGA. Eat your heart out, CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN. We're on CW, hell yeah. 
They had to make it very clear to all of you. They did not have to buy time on CW. They cut an actual deal. Here's how that deal looked. Saudi Arabia walked in and said, it doesn't really matter what you pass. You just have to pass just a dollar if you don't mind. We want a rights fee of a dollar because we're not going to tell you anybody the amount. We're going to help you sell. We'll pay for all the production. You're not going to be out of pocket anything. It's going to be great because people are going to watch golf and then it'll bleed into your other programming. It's going to be terrific. But you've got to pay us something. And the reason why we're okay accepting a dollar is that we then get to say that Live Golf got a rights deal. How do you feel about that? Does it make you want to watch Live Golf less? Live Golf will be streaming on the CW app on Fridays. Remember, it's only three-day weekends. Saturdays and Sundays, it'll be both streaming and on CW, the network. I was fascinated waiting for this deal to happen. And the reason I was is that if you are going to properly sports wash and you're going to properly get people to believe that you are not based on human rights abuses and misogyny and murder and bone saw chopping, all that stuff, you got to get yourself an actual business that does actual deals with actual networks. And so I was waiting to see who the network was going to be, who was going to do a deal with Liv. And CW is the perfect partner. What's the downside for CW in doing this deal with Liv? Are people going to boycott CW? There's only upside. They've already thrown up the trial balloons. People are okay with the golfers who run Liv. The Masters, for crying out loud, is letting players on the Liv Tour play in their tournament. There's no more talk. There's still some lawsuits pending. But all of the outrage does what it always does. It wanes. People move on to the next thing to be outraged about. Remember all the talk about Qatar and the World Cup? What are we doing watching that? The thing about the media cycle and the news cycle is that if you can just survive the moment, you can be Kanye West. You can be canceled by everyone and live to see another day. And Live Golf knew very well what their plan was. They did duck and cover. They put on shoulder pads and helmets. They said, give me all you got. And we still have a tour that can compete with the PGA Tour. We still are doing something that we feel is best for the sport of golf going forward. And in five and 10 years, no one will remember how it all started, what the bumps in the roads were. And that's leadership. Except when leadership goes sideways, it's when leaders forget that they're actually holding an asset in trust for the world, for the community, for a country, for owners. It's very interesting what people do to try to explain and rationalize their existence. It's very interesting to me what Liv did with this TV deal and when they decided to announce it and how they decided to announce it because this deal was an easy one to make. It's not as though they were getting one of the major networks to somehow swallow hard and take Liv and take the chance of upsetting the PGA. There was no reason to do that do the deal with CW, it's the first deal. By the time Liv does its second deal or third TV deal, it'll be a totally different story. The first is always the hardest. Getting a league off the ground is brutal. You're subject to competitive whims. You're subject to the existence of entities that have been around forever whose sole goal is to remain 
a monopoly and have the characteristics of a monopoly. But all you need is funding. It's why it's so dangerous what's happening with Saudi Arabia and what they're doing with soccer players, what they're doing with golf leagues. If they're going to throw around an amount of money that makes billionaires blush, then they're going to have the power shift to them. Why? Because it's just business. Have a good weekend, everybody. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.